everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host today. And with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. Howdy. Today is episode 152 of the Malthouse Games Podcast. We are a podcast all about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, things of that sort. Dice games, that's what I missed. Dice games. And also generally beer. Yes, and today we have a special release beer. It has only been on tap for the last 10 hours and 25 minutes because it is 10 p.m. and 25 after. Right now, 10.25. Sorry, my brain's not working. It's 10.25 p.m. We've been playing some board games all day long. We also visited the Asian supermarket to get some yummy food and some steam buns. And now we are wrapping up the day with a brand new release and talking to y'all, our friends. Howie. So tell us about this new release, Delty. So this new beer today is part of the Cryptid series from Roughtail Brewing Co. Uh, the Cryptid series is just a series of beers that are named, named after different cryptids. And this one is Chupacabra's Chaps. And it's Chupacabra in Chaps riding a goat. Chaps. It's not Chaps. It's Nobody shaps. says Chaps. This ain't my no, first rodeo. Nobody says Chaps. Stop it. Uh, oh, it's actually higher alcohol than they said online. It is 9.4 alcohol by volume. It is a hazy double IPA with Nectaron, Citra, and Simcoe hops. There's no other flavor profile or anything else in this, uh, and I'm here for it. It tastes like a chupacabra. I'm sure it does. Does that mean it tastes like old goat? Yes. Ever tell you about the time that there was a chupacabra sighting outside of Edmond and I got paid to write about it? Sure. So, apparently in Deer Creek, which is the wealthy suburb of Edmond. So Edmond is a, a suburb that's typically higher in wealth in Oklahoma City. Not our neighborhood, but Edmond in general. And outside of Edmond is an even higher in wealth neighborhood or a district called Deer Creek. And so Deer Creek, if you live out in Deer Creek, either your family has been living on the same plot of land for the last four generations, or your family was an ambassador for a foreign country. Like there's no in between. And so you either have a lot of folks who are uh, probably not sober for one reason or another living out there, but there tends to be a lot of chupacabra sightings out in Deer Creek. And the last one that I remember was back in 2019. Somebody reported to have had a picture of the chupacabra. You look at the picture, it kind of looks like a mangy dog or it looks like a chupacabra, depending on your belief in the chupacabra and how sober you are in that very moment. That's perfect. And so Chupacabra's Chaps, I'm sure that if he did live in Oklahoma, he would have a pair of Chaps. It is Rodeo Weekend in Oklahoma as well. Stop saying Chaps. It is Chaps. But oh, a hard C-H. <laughs> anyway, let's try some Chupacabra Chaps. Don't stop it. God damn it. Don't <laughs> say the beer's name again. So this beer is extremely hazy. Cannot even get close to seeing through it. Almost looks like a blended drink. It's so thick, hazy looking. Uh. The head's lost in our glasses. I'm fine with that. It smells very sweet. It smells like an orange juice. You can smell a lot of those hops. Uh, you get some citra for sure, but the Simcoe hops, which I have learned to like, you get a little more of that earthiness, kind of a bit of that pine to it. How's the taste now, Haley? Give it a good cipperoni for this almost 10% beer. Oh my God. What is happening? My mouth is watering. It is a, a very strong, immediate punch of pungency from the hops, but it immediately also smoothens out. Do you remember those little Listerine balls that you got in like 2001, 2002? And they explode? And they explode in your mouth? 
and for like four and a half seconds, they made a citrus one that was delicious. I don't remember that one. So they, it probably didn't last on the market very long because it didn't, uh, it didn't make your breath smell very good for very long. This is what that tastes like. It's just like a burst of orange. It is delightful. That the nectaron hops with a little bit of citra. It does have that orangey nectarine, a tiny bit of that grapefruit from the citra, a little bit of earthy, kind of piney from the Simcoe hops. And then there's a nice sweetness, but it hits you punchy and then it fades and then it's kind of gone. That's a really good IPA. So this is a 16 ounce beer and we decided to only have one beer this episode because this is, like I said, a 16 ounce beer that we are splitting. It is also nearly 10%. And if we were to split, or I'm sorry, if we were to have our own beer, we would have each had one of these beers during the duration of this podcast episode. We probably would also be seeing the Chupacabras out there with the Deer Creek people. This is a really good beer. This like super, I mean, I'm always touting double IPAs are the best uh, because they balance out to the hops a lot better in terms of the malt profile and the alcohol volume. This is a hell of a beer. This is a Ben-approved beer. We need Ben to try this beer. Ben, come out to Oklahoma real quick. You got a three-day weekend. Come on, my friend. Go, go, Gadget Ben. Yeah, spend all the money. Spend all the money. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a really good beer. Highly recommend uh, Chupacabra's Chaps from Rough Tail Brewing Co. right down the road from our house. But we are back in the state. Uh, we are back at home as of last week from Gen Con in Portland that we talked about last episode. Yes, we recorded the previous episode, what, two days before we left for Gen Con? Mm-hmm. And so we spent a glorious eight days out there in the Pacific Northwest with our great friends, Nick, Jennifer, and Mark. With appearances by Jonathan, Brian, and Tim. Yes. Hi, Jonathan, Brian, and Tim. But mostly Jennifer, Nick, and Mark. And Jasper. And Jasper. Oh my God, Jasper such a good boy. So Jasper is their 115-pound Rottweiler, and he has always been a puppy since we've known him. He's just a big puppy. Oh my goodness, he's such a good boy, and he is really, lear- he's, he's the most amazing dog when it comes to following commands, and he is also the most playful 115-pound critter after me. Absolutely, absolutely. Such a good dog, definitely has gotten older in doggy age, and between him getting older and Nick and Jennifer's doing so well in training that he's relaxed quite a bit, and it was so crazy to see in just one year how much he's b- the exact same dog but also so much calmer because he's still a gigantic puppy. But it's crazy. He does so many good tricks, and it's just fun to watch them run him through his gambit of tricks and around the house and then do this and that. And then he gets to go eat his food, and he's so excited. He's a very fun dog. And I did not get my ass bit, and Delton did not get a fourth vasectomy. Correct. I did not. And that's a, that's a plus. <laughs> but it was very fun getting to go visit everybody, play games, do a lot of hiking and exploring and a lot of eating and a lot of gaming and staying up too late and then us waking up too early. It was very exhausting in the best way possible. Yes. And so here in Oklahoma, like right now it's 1030. And by the time this podcast is over and after splitting again, this 10% beer Delta, I'm probably going to go to bed. But 1030 here in Oklahoma is 830 out in Portland. And so it was a struggle for me to stay up past 10 o'clock. It was so challenging. So there was a couple of times I fell asleep at the table. One time I fell asleep standing up at the table. And so I usually had to retire early, but we got to spend a lot of time with our friends. Like Delt said, going around hiking. We went and explored some of the shops in the Alberta Arts District. 
and I actually won game. You did? I won one game. Which one was it? It was the doggy style game. Doggy style. Yes. The do- <laughs> No. No. <laughs> what was it? No. What's it called? I want to say it was Dog Park. I don't think it's Dog no, Park. No, it's not Dog Park. Hold on. I will find it. It's definitely for <laughs> sure not doggy style. Christ almighty. <laughs> it's uh, Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog. Jesus. That's why you don't win games, because you don't remember the names. It's because I play them at 10 o'clock at night. You guys got to quit trying to make me think me. after 9 p.m. You beat me at every game here, so when we go elsewhere, you have to lose. That's the that's the agreement. I think that's one of the few games we played before 9 p.m. Therefore, that's probably the reason why I won, because I was actually awake. It definitely helped. It definitely helped, but I won. I destroyed them. Did I win anything else? Probably not, not to my recollection. But I just had the satisfaction of winning that game. I said, okay, I can retire now. I can retire from gaming. I think that's fine. That's I beat a fair trade. Nick and Mark and Jen and you. That's what matters. I won. That's what matters. But we're very grateful for the hospitality and kindness of Nick and Jennifer. Thank yes. you so much for having us out Thank you. this year. And we look forward to seeing you guys again soon, hopefully by playing some games and hopefully in person sooner. Gen Con needs to make the world tour and come out to Oklahoma next year. Jesus. Don't you don't you don't have to you don't have to do that. It's it's hot here. <laughs> Come out in like October. Sure. Halloween time. Halloween. But yes, our vacation was great. Uh we did a lot of stuff, came back and had to adjust again to the time change that we had just got used used to and adjusted to. And so it was a readjustment phase. This week has been all kinds of all over the place and wonky, but we are back. I think we're finally adjusted to a new sleep schedule, back more to normal on the sleep schedule and kind of going through life again. Feels normal. Vacations are done until November. Yes. And so with that, like I said, since we've been back, we have played hella games. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. So the game for today is something that we just got our Kickstarter delivery for uh, here in the past week since we've been back from Gen Con, and it is Fit to Print. Fit to Print is a game designed by Peter McPherson with art and graphic design by Ian O'Toole. It is published by the AEG and Flat Out Games collab. Uh, they are the same group of people comprised of Molly Johnson, Dylan Mangini, Peter McPherson, Robert Melvin, and Sean Stankiewicz. It's the same crew that also did Cascadia, Calico, and Verdant. So this is the next flat-out collab with AEG in the same kind of puzzly, same box size, everything. Fits on the shelf perfectly next to the rest of those. Um, The solo and puzzle mode design was specifically Sean Stankiewicz, and then the AEG credits are Nicholas Bongiu, Director of Projects, David Lepore, Production, and Adelheid Zimmerman for Production. So Fit to Print is an adorable game that is themed as anthropomorphized animals running different newspapers in the town of Thistleville. The game is focused on you running a newspaper on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and trying to have the most points while making sure not to have the least ad income or ad revenue, I guess, as it's actually called. The way the game works is you have a little board that uh, has essentially two sections. One of them is most of the board. It's for the Friday newspaper. Then there is a darker area that is 
added onto the Friday to make the Saturday size paper, and then you flip the board over and you have a Sunday size paper. This is your own personal playing board. All of the newspaper pieces go into the middle, uh, face down essentially, and you shuffle them around, and then you start a timer anywhere between three and five minutes in the rule book. It says three is for a frantic game, four is normal, and five is relaxed. Uh, personally, I highly recommend the five minute relaxed. It is unreal how much more relaxed it is to play a game at five minutes versus four minutes. The first time we played, it was Delt and I against each other playing at four minutes, and we were speedy. We were stressed. We were throwing pieces around. We were rushing. But then we played the uh, the four-player game today with Brian and Jessica, and at five minutes, this is a leisurely, relaxing, fun game. We all finished early. We were chit-chatting. We were fit to print with time to go. It really makes a difference. And in the rule book, it actually says you can extend that timer as much as you want for your group. So if your group really wants a more relaxed game, go to seven minutes. That's okay. But you'll do that three, four, or five minute timer. You'll do that timer for three rounds, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with each newspaper being bigger. All the tiles are in the middle. You're going to start the timer. Everyone with one hand will grab a tile that they think they want. Pull it over to their desk. There's little 3D desks. You will flip it to see what it is. If you want to keep it, you set it on your desk. If you don't want to keep it, you keep it face up, but place it back in the pile in the center and go for a new tile. Once you have enough tiles where you think you can lay out your newspaper without having too many and without having too few, then you announce layout to the table so people know where you are in your stage. And then you start laying them out on your board. You can't put articles next to articles of the same color. You can't put pictures next to pictures. That was a weird way to say that. Pictures next to pictures. And you can't put ads next to ads, but you fill them out putting pictures next to the, uh, the articles that have the certain category requirement, which is the color, or the mood requirement, whether it be happy or sad. And you fill out your little newspaper as best you can. The first one done says fit to print and grabs the one out of however many. If you're in a four-player game, there's a one, two, three, four token. First player done grabs the one. Second player done grabs the two and so on. Once everyone's done, you're going to add up your points. You're going to add up your negatives. You're going to tally up a total. Take note of your ad revenue and you're going to do round two. You'll do that for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then that's the entire game. It's very simple. It's, well, I say it's very simple. It's a puzzly game that the timer adds so much crunch and stress to. And it's stressful for me. It is stressful for Delt. But like a lot of games in the series, whether it is Verdant or Calico or whatnot, it is very, very easy to learn. It is very, very easy to play. It can be extremely challenging to win. Absolutely. It's hard to win because you're under that time crunch. People are taking tiles that you'll go back and be like, oh, that's the exact thing that I wished I had. And that happens quite often. But it's an easy game to play. Uh, like, So the way that the different things work is you're going to have a centerpiece, essentially a main article. Everyone has one. There's a starting one for the beginning. And then you get a random one after that. And I think you could just do random once you are comfortable with the game. That's going to give you an initial goal to try to achieve then every photo that you add to your newspaper wants to be next to a certain type of article or a certain mood of article. 
So you want to try to accompany, you know, that, try to fix that into your board correctly. And then you also have to be considerate about balancing the mood. You don't want too much happy and you don't want too much sad. You want a perfect mixture of the two to prevent negatives. So you're analyzing all these different things, making sure you don't have just pink articles where they end up being next to each other and you have to flip them and lose points or, or not, not gain points, I suppose. It's one of those games where there's all these ways to score and you have to think about it very quickly in that time limit. And three minutes sounds like hell to me personally. Oh, I want to do it. I don't. I like the five minutes. I should do that one at a solo because there's a solo version, right? Yeah, there's a solo version in this game and the solo actually has, see if I can find it here. Do, do, do. The solo actually has scenarios and achievements. See here? Oh, nice. It actually has, looks like 18 different scenarios ranging from easy to hard. Uh, It gives you little things. So like the additional goal, no mood penalty in all three rounds on the hardest one. Oh, man. That's brutal. That is terrible. But the game has uh, a solo mode as well as the challenges and scenarios for the solo mode. It also has a variant for a family mode, which is a little bit more streamlined rules, a little bit uh, of a reduction to complexity. So it's a simpler experience that is good just for families in general. Then there's also a turn-based mode, which I'm interested in, which is taking out the real, uh, real-time real element of a timer and making it more focused on can you, how can you maximize these tiles? And it's just a little, a little more my speed, I think, in that, in that regard. But then there's also the crazy-sounding newsroom mode, where it's a team-based mode, supports four to 12 players in teams of two, And then the way it works is you basically have one player who's the reporter and one who's the layout editor. And somebody has to run to like a table at the end of the room or another room, grab some sort of article and bring it back to the layout editor to put on their board. So it's like you're running out to get the story and coming back and they have to put it in the paper. That sounds like it would be very fun. It really does. I this is one of those games. It's kind of like Calico Calico. I could play over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and not get tired of it. I love the visual spatial reasoning. I love how the rules change, how the goals change, and so I guess the rules don't change. Just the goals change, and so you're having to adapt each time uh, to the new to the new goals. And with this one right here, I love this one because every single round it changes. It's not like you're laying out the same newspaper each three each of the three times. The little bit bigger it grows each round makes it substantially more difficult. It makes it more difficult to really gauge how much space do I have to fill. And I'm really bad at gathering either way too much when it comes to my stories and pictures or way too little. Yeah, it's really difficult. It's it's one where you can't, uh, one of the big rules is when you get a, a picture, you get an article, it must not be rotated any other way than the correct orientation of uh, legibility essentially top to bottom, standard. You're looking at a picture straight on and the person's standing upright. You cannot rotate it sideways. You can't rotate it upside down. And that makes it very difficult because then you're not only digging for the right size of pieces at first, but you have to keep in mind, oh, I should find one that goes left and right, uh, you know, horizontal instead of vertical layout. And that's all considerations you have to have. to have. And it's really difficult. And like Haley said, the bigger, the, uh, the bigger your personal board becomes over the three days, it's really difficult because you think, oh, it's just adding a little bit. No, that little bit adds up a lot. The first time we played the very first round, I got way too many pieces 
And so I was negative points. Because every time you take a piece that you can't fit, then that's a negative point per piece. The second round, I was like, okay, I'm going to take way less. This is not much bigger. No, I took about the same amount of pieces and had huge spots where they the uh, board wasn't filled. It actually lost points that way. The third time was basically Goldilocks where it was just right. Yep, and that game's going to have, this game is going to have a lot of that, I think. But it's really fun. If you enjoy Cascadia, Calico, Verdant, some of them, all of them, most of them, none of them, I still think this is worth giving a try. It's It fits into that category perfectly. Like you said, they're easy to teach, but they're challenging to be good at. It's an adorable theme. Ian O'Toole killed it with the artwork and graphic design. It's just another another really good hit for that great under 30-minute puzzly game that just looks good and you can play with almost anybody. I just, I, I just think they did a very good job. Absolutely. It's definitely a spatial reasoning game. It's definitely a game where you have to do some deep breathing sometimes, but it's it's extremely fun. I think that Calico is still my favorite in this series. I think so too. But this is now my second favorite, and I am ready to show this to everyone. Because again, I think you could teach this to uh, just about anyone. You could teach it to kids. You can teach it to adults. You can teach it to those who have played a lot of games, who are new to games. Is a very simple teach, a very simple concept. The graphic design is cute and inviting too. I really enjoyed this game and cannot wait to tell the world, which is why I'm telling my podcast listeners, hello, buy this game. It's awesome. I like it. Yes, highly recommend this game. If you're curious about it, check it out. Look it up on YouTube. Watch a play along or listen again to this episode. Uh, it's just, it's very fun. But the biggest thing about it, and part of the reason I wanted to go ahead and get it on the episode, because not only have we really enjoyed it, but it's also brand new. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. We wanted to talk about, as a topic for this episode, uh, we wanted to discuss, because I don't think we have before in the past, but Cult of the New. Cult of the New is a term that's thrown around quite often. It's the tendency for content creators to focus and get excited about only the new games or only the new anything, really. If it's, you know, a new board game that comes out, it's all the new stuff, the new stuff, the new stuff. And a lot of times, Cult of the New, when it's used in a derogatory fashion, it's also generally used with, it's Cult of the New and it's only positive which is something that we see a lot. And that's something we just wanted to discuss today. Can you talk a little more about that? What do you mean by like the cult of the new and it being only the positive? A lot of times when you see cult of the new being referenced online, uh, whether it be on BGG forums or Reddit or something like that, if somebody is saying it's just cult of the new, it's generally in a derogatory fashion. And they're also a lot of times referencing the fact that the reviews are overly positive. It's, it's cult of the new. They're only talking about this game. Be- because it's new and they're only talking positively about it, even if it's a game that's just okay or if even it's a, if it's a bad game, there's a lot of that. It's brand new. It's so shiny. Look how cool it is. It's brand new. It's so exciting. It's so great. And then six months later, no one plays it and it doesn't have sales and it's just kind of sad. But that's, in my experience, from a just a reader of the internet sometimes, In my experience, that's a lot of the times what it comes down to. But Cult of the New in general is a criticism of a content creation platform or content creators 
that are focusing only on the brand new things and hyping them up because they're new rather than hyping them up necessarily because of quality. If that makes sense. Absolutely it does. That's at least my understanding. Yes. And I think I speak for you when I say this, that we're we're not trying to say that uh, new is bad by any means. Like, no. We just reviewed A Fit to Print, and we love it. I can already tell that this is going to be one that I'm going to play over and over and over again because it, it is exactly my style of game. It is spatial reasoning. I am trying to put a lot of stuff on a little bitty board, and I'm trying to meet goals while doing it. That's why I like Patchwork. That's why I like Calico. I'm definitely going to like Fit to Print to be played over and over and over again. So today we wanted to talk about the cult of the new and how we approach it for the podcast. Being that we are quote-unquote content creators, and by that it means two people who happen to enjoy the you know six people that like to listen to this. Yeah, and hearing the sound of our own voices. Yay! Uh, being that we make content around board games all the time, and by that I mean every two weeks, it's something that we have to deal with is as a like an active consideration constantly is do we feature the new games that we're excited about or the new games other people are excited about or do we just review what we want? Because I think that with this podcast, something that for better or for worse we have done is that we have only reviewed games that we've really wanted to review. We've only reviewed games that make us excited. We've only reviewed games that we have access to. So that might not necessarily mean that we're reviewing all of the new things. And that's not because we don't want to, but, you know, we might not have that game. We might not even want to chase that game either. Because the game is popular doesn't mean we want to review it. We want to review games that we're interested in. And sometimes that is something that's new, like Fit to Print. But sometimes that's something that's old. It's really difficult because, like you said, we review games that we want to review because we enjoy the game, right? There have been some games that we've reviewed because they're review copies, and now it's an obligation for us to review it. An obligation that we wholeheartedly accept and appreciate. Of course, absolutely. Uh, And those games we try to review as fairly as possible. And in a lot of cases, the games we've gotten for review, we've really enjoyed. But I think that one thing is being a smaller content creator channel, a smaller podcast, we don't get many review copies at all. I I couldn't remember the last time we got a review copy of a game. But uh, that makes it easy because we're not just having to pump out content of games that we just received that are just off of Kickstarter or just new releases or releasing in a month or releasing in two weeks. And it means that we have to choose what we put on our show. And we are choosing 99.9% of the time games that we find fun or or are excited about. We're not going to talk about games that make us angry or games that we dislike, or games we think are bad in one way or another, whether it be from artwork, to theming, to rulebook editing, to game quality itself, to production quality. Like, we could have all kinds of games on here and be like, I don't like this game for this reason. Yeah, that was me last episode, though. That's, I mean, it was you a little bit last episode, but at the same time... That's not the theme of this podcast. We're not no. trying to tell you about what we don't like about games like we made this podcast to tell you what we do like about games exactly if i got on here every time and said well this is stupid this game sucks i hate this game no one's gonna want to hear that they want to hear stuff we're excited about we enjoy i don't want to hear about it and it's my voice and i like to hear my voice exactly so for us we're in a pretty unique position uh I, i say unique we're in the position of a small content channel 
where we get to choose what we put on. And there are considerations that we have to discuss of, do we use this game that we got because I was excited and found out about it, such as Fit to Print, and I backed it on Kickstarter. It's brand new. It just hit. It's still like a very talked about game. Everyone's getting the game right now that backed it on Kickstarter, which gives us a decision of, should we put this out as soon as possible? Right, because, you know, we like to play games when we want to play games. Like, this podcast is awesome because, you know, every every board gamer does have dry spells where you go a while without playing games. And for us, board games are more than just content for the podcast. Like, they help us to connect with each other. They help us to have fun with each other. They create an overall positive experience. And so when it comes to us playing games with each other for the podcast, like sometimes we have to fit in a game, but you know, that makes us sit down and actually spend time together in our busy weeks. And so when it comes to games like that are new, like fit to print, like we have to make the decision, you know, do we go ahead and try to fit this in as soon as possible? Or do we take our time and play it? Do we try to fit this in as soon as possible, rearrange our schedules around it so we can put it out and make some content? Or do we put it off for a couple of weeks so we can get a couple of good plays in? And now this week it worked out great because, you know, we were able to play while Delton was home on his lunch break. We're also, we had a board game day scheduled with Brian and Jessica, so we were able to play it a couple of times before we reviewed it today. But you know, whenever it comes to the Colts of the New, there is this pressure to review now, review now, review now, review now. And almost this pressure to put out content for the review and for the clicks and for the likes rather than, hey, I played this game and I really liked it. You guys might like it too. And it's a really hard decision to make because we enjoyed Fit to Print. Like you said, it worked out that we got to play it twice this week before recording, which generally when we play a game, two like two to three times is the amount of plays we'll get. Like, you know, we're not crazy. I can't do 10 plays of a game before we do it on a podcast every two weeks. I wouldn't have a life. It would just be way too difficult to try to sit down with Haley, let alone anybody else, to put in that much play. So a lot of times a game will get one play, try to get two to three plays. That's just how our numbers work. And it worked out that we got to play this game twice at two different play counts before we did it. But there really is that pressure to put a game like this out content-wise as soon as you can. And a lot of that, I think, comes from, again, when people reference Cult of the New, Because if you go online, there's not posts that are saying, I just found this great game. Do you guys still love Concordia? Do you guys still love playing, you know, uh, I don't know what's on my shelf here. Notre Dame, At the Gates of Loyang, Carcassonne, Nuns on the Run. Like the games that we really enjoy, but people don't talk about them. It's so easy in board gaming. And that's a lot of other things. I mean, video games too. When something brand new comes out, it grabs your attention. It's something new. It's something different. It's, it's fresh. It's right in front of you. And that gets so much attention. And as a content creation channel, our goal is to entertain people and to grow. We want to entertain more people. That's the only reason we do this is because we think it's fun. And people say they like the show. We're going to try to give them a show they like. We want more people to like the show because it's fun. It makes us feel good. That's why we do these things. And if we only covered games that were made, you know, pre-1990 in the board game world, we're probably not going to get but like the six people who still play those games avidly as avid, avid, like old war game fans or something. So we have to make the decision. Do we put this game out now or do we hold off on it? And it's just, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in, I feel like for us. And I think more than just do we put this game out now or do we wait on it, but do we follow the cult of the new? Because I think that 
you know, you and I have talked about this. The older that we get, I mean, we are we're in our thirties now, my friends. Uh, it's it's hard for us to really get excited for a lot of new things because we we like a lot of the our classics that we grew up with, and and I think that comes with getting older. But I think also with board games too. Like Del said, it's really easy to you know fall in love with the cult of the new. And I think there was a time in our our life that we really did follow the cult of the new, Delton. Uh, I maybe not for podcasts, but for personal collection, yes. What was that like for you, Delt? I mean, I spent a lot of money. That was the biggest thing. Spent a lot of money on a lot of games, and of those cult of the new games, uh, I don't know how many I still have. I don't know what that says about cult of the new, but when I was super tuned in to board gaming. And I knew every release that was coming, and I knew all the new games and the new this and the new that. I knew when it was happening, where it was happening. I knew what I was going to buy and what I didn't think I was going to like. It's a lot of stuff to take in and pick and choose and budget. And by budget, I mean not budget, just buy. It's, it's exhausting. There's a reason that I don't keep up. Like, I've had somebody ask me, hey, have you heard about this game coming out? No. That sounds interesting, though. Like, I don't it's 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 exhausting to try to keep up with how much is coming out because there's so much coming out and it's even more exhausting just to spend enough time with the games I already love. And so it's really hard to find a balance between exploring new content and also still uh, experiencing the content I already like. And so I think this is a time whenever we fall back, not only as content creators, but also game players back on our values. What is it about games that we like? What is it about games that we like to share? You know, and you know, maybe reviewing older games won't necessarily get us the clicks or the shares or the visits on uh, Spotify or whatnot, but we like to fall back on our values and what is it that we like to play? What makes us feel happy? Sometimes, and when we get games like Fit to Print, sometimes that is something that's new. But a lot of the times, that's things that's old. And I think that, you know, we as as board gamers, you know, when we go to conventions, when we go to board game meetups, you know, there's oftentimes this pressure to check out the hot new games, sit at the hot new games table, or wait in line to play the hot new games, or, you know, go sit at the table of the person who has the BGG top whatever. But it's okay, I think, to take some time and Remember, what are some of the ones that made you fall in love with board gaming? What are some staples that have been around for a while? What are some hidden treasures that maybe were released in like 2014 that no one's really reviewed in a few years? And so that's what we like to do. I think that's what brings us the most joy. And I think that's the core tenet of this podcast is what brings us joy and what helps us to share this joy to others. And again, sometimes that's new and sometimes that's old. And I think that's okay. Absolutely. I think just whatever makes you happy. And the way that you can share that happiness, that joy, that's what it's about. That's why we're here. So I know earlier I said, go buy Fit to Print. You don't have to. You don't have to join the Cult of the New. But if you're interested in joining it or, or stepping over to the Cult of the New for a little bit, maybe getting a day pass to the Cult of the New, I do recommend Fit to Print. So that actually brings up a good, a good point, a good subject here, which is it's the Cult of the New also makes it very hard to decipher what's actually good aside from what's just new excitement and hype because that's so easy to do. I mean, how many times do you hear, oh, this movie's going to be so good. I'm so excited for this movie. This movie's going to be great. And then they go, ah, yeah, I was disappointed. That happens a lot. That happens all the time with movies. 
It's the same with board games, right? All these people are talking about, I got fit to print. Look at my pictures of fit to print. Look, a podcast about fit to print. For us, this game is exactly what we wanted because it's it met our expectations because we had high expectations because of previous games from trusted publishers, designers, developers. So we knew what to kind of expect and it ended up working out. But it says something about like, we're saying, you know, you don't have to buy it, this and that. But at the same time, the cult of the new was correct. Fit to Print is a game to be excited about. It was a game that people were hyped for. And for us, it fulfills that. And that's also part of the problem with Cult of the New is, yes, it could be a bad thing that you're just buying, buying, buying. You're all tuned in. Not everything is necessarily as good as the hype. But there are games that are. Absolutely. And sometimes you're just behind on them. And that's going to happen. That's us a lot. Yeah. And so don't feel... I, I know it's easy to feel left out whenever you're not involved in the Cult of the New. It's easy to feel left out when you don't know the hot new games, but it doesn't make you any less of a board gamer. It doesn't make you any less invested in the hobby. And it also leads me, that leads me to my last little point here, which is Cult of the New also fuels FOMO, which is essentially that you're worried about missing out on something good. But what we have to remember is that you can wait to get it. You, you don't necessarily have to miss out on something good. Yeah. You know, the game might be new, but just because you're not one of the first people to play it doesn't mean that you're missing out on anything, really. Exactly. It could be just like us. Anytime we play something we say is new to me, how many games do we play that are new to me that are extremely old now, or at least, you know, 10 years? Oh, tons of games. Most of the games that we review, I say, are at least five years old. For sure. Like, I looked at my phone, and the most recent game that was the newest was uh, Jerusalem Anno Domini that that came out this year. Uh, and then I think before that it was Bamboo, but there's a couple and they're all in the past couple years. But then before that, there's a lot more like it's all over the board. But yes, Cult of the New fuels FOMO. So watch out. And just because FOMO is telling you you're going to miss out on something doesn't mean you are. That game will still be there long after FOMO has dissipated. And now join us for a Malt House Games podcast special bite size question. So the question of the episode is, since we are both very tired, what are you going to do with the energy that is given to you by a full night's sleep? Uh, I have to edit this podcast in the morning to put it out by noon tomorrow. So yay, last minute. (laughs) Yay. I have to finish writing a presentation on using artificial intelligence in counseling. I'm doing an ethics presentation next Saturday on using AI and therapy. And I have to write the last 25 slides of the 120-slide presentation. I also have to write the second half of a presentation, uh, also related to psychology, but to be continued. Next Saturday is going to be a full presentation day. But that's what I'm going to do with a full night's sleep that I hope to start working on here in the next 12 minutes. That sounds good to me. Margie's already asleep over here on her bed, so... I think it's time that we wrap this up. Thank you again so much for tuning in and listening to the Malthouse Games podcast. Uh, We very much appreciate it. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe this episode. Uh, We also want to make sure that you know that we have a Patreon page with some amazing patrons, such as Alan, Jennifer, and Cliff that support us at the level in which they get shouted out on the podcast. If you would like to be like them, head on over to patreon.com slash malthousegames you can check out everything about us, and if you want to, you can join them and the other amazing patrons that we have. You can also find us on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find Haley at... 
S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-K. That's at Squirrely Geek. You can also send us an email if there's a game you think we should talk about, a topic you think we should cover, or if there's a question you want us to answer on the show, just send the email to contact at malthousegames.com. I think that covers everything. We're going to get around and go to bed because we're very tired right now, and we have a little bit of work to do tomorrow. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Bye. Bye. Bye.